0: Hello everyone, this is Josh coming to you post-edit. I realized that I forgot to plug my guest appearance on the Video Game Club, and I am so sorry about that. This past Monday, my episode with the Video Game Club where we talked about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order went live, and you can hear that on all your favorite podcasting platforms through the Video Game Club. Link is in the description below. And you're going to hear a little segment that you heard last week. Joey wrote me a wonderful poem, and I just could not share it. So, thank you again to the Video Game Club guys Joey, Tim, Slade. It was a blast. I look forward to our next collaboration. Everyone listening, you're going to get that quick tease. And please go listen to the Video Game Club, not just my episode. I love those guys. Their podcast is so much fun. And on with the show.
1: So Josh The thing I was talking about at the start Where I asked Slade and Tim If it was appropriate or if it was creepy um, I, I sent you a message On on, uh, on Twitter Saying I've done something That I've never done before And I'll never do again So hold on to your horses I've written you A poem <coughs> <laughs> And it's called an ode to talking smack. Okay, so. Okay. <laughs> bear with me on this. And cut me off here, actually, at any time you think this gets weird. Um, oh, okay. I'm ready for cringe. Cool, good. Uh, well, I can't <laughs> say, actually, I'm gonna split my screen so I can see you cringe. I wanted to start today with a twist. If I put together pods I love, this one comes top of the list. For Slade, the man is near. For Tim and Joey, he's far. Today on Video Game Club, we welcome the man, the myth, Joshua Scar. If you define ode, you get this message, and I hope this doesn't go down like a wreckage. A lyrical poem, typically one, in the form of an address to to a particular subject, written in a varied or irregular metre. It's usually sung, but I'm far too white to rap, and the appeal of poetry was sweeter. So what did Josh bring? I hear you proclaim Besides a drink every time you hear their name The base level would be Superheroes, movies, animation and comics From Dead Lucky to Doctor Strange Down to Chippendale and Ugly Sonic You all know we're honoured to have Josh come onto our show it's taken too long, but this you already know. We wanted him here sooner, or so say the rumours, but the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. I threw in some Robbie Burns to increase their poetic supply. You can find him over at Josh underscore Scorescar or at Talking Smack on Good Pods and streaming galore. Drop them a listen and follow for superheroes, movies, animation, comics, and more. And as an extra, hold on to your horses, because this one's going to floor you. Keep on listening, but expect spoilers for Jedi Fallen Order.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the, Oh, Alex is here! Wow, <laughs> he yeah, usually doesn't. Again, I, Matt, you should feel special. He usually does not have his camera on, even when it's just me and him.
2: Well, normally it's a um, my spouse is in the room, like watching TV or something, or where it's about time to feed the cat, so the cats are starting to prowl around and knock shit over.
0: Okay, well, welcome but, back uh, to talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into the loop all over again.
2: But she is currently, uh, tending, uh, one of our friends needs a dog sitter, so she's currently giving, uh, lending them out. And the cats are not being assholes yet. So.
1: <laughs>
0: huh. well, they're cats, they're always assholes. It's just, what level of asshole are they being? Yeah,
2: yeah one of my favorite quotes from somebody was, Well all go- dogs are good dogs, all cats have just a little bit of Satan in them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: this is Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and as you have heard, Alex is here, as well as Matt. Gentlemen, how are you doing?
3: Doing all right. Yeah, doing pretty good. You know, you were you were so early in the intro, you, we could have just stopped and you could have done it again.
0: Yeah, that's no, true. That's not how I worked.
3: Because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I muted myself and I said
2: I'm getting some water, so I sat down and turned on my camera to you <laughs> saying that. I was like, oh, we're starting.
3: <laughs> Nobody listening is going to enjoy this. <laughs>
2: I think that's what most of our reviews say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They usually skip past this and the ad anyway, so who knows. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of the ad, we have the Uncheft podcast, who is going to give us a quick little talk about their podcast. This is a really weird transition into the ad. Um, I was on their podcast a while ago did a good burger episode and it was a lot of fun Uh, I think it's still one of their top performing episodes not to humble brag so let's hear from Brendan and Matt and we'll be right back
2: Hello everyone, this is Brendan from the Unchefed podcast. Each week on Unchefed, we unpack a topic regarding the politics and history of our plates in the hope of becoming better eaters. That's Unchefed, available now on your preferred podcast network.
0: And we are back and this week we are doing,
1: what doing?
0: Which was a, a pretty big hit last time we did it with Matt and Lewis uh, This time we've replaced Lewis with Alex So uh, <laughs> uh, this is basically just an episode where we talk about the the fun nerd things we're doing away from the podcast uh, Unrelated to the podcast, generally speaking uh, But we're going to talk about it That's where the Watch Star Trek bit was born <laughs> and it's it's just a lot of fun to kind of just play catch up and talk like human beings. So uh, I'm going to kick things off today as we're recording is in the United States. It's Bluey season three day. Uh, Bluey season three dropped on Disney Plus, And of course, my kids and I binged all 25 episodes that dropped. Wow. 25? They're seven minute episodes.
2: Oh, OK. I was like, dear Lord.
0: <laughs> it's a, yeah, it, it's it's designed to be a kid show but it's it's so good it's even on rolling stones top 100 sitcoms of all time it it's it's just such a good show in general it, it's about <laughs> what you got to say alex so i
2: googled bluey season three and Google's like did you mean nypd blue season three <laughs>
0: <laughs> like no <nope. laughs> way to be topical there google Bluey's been like the biggest thing in parenting and kid circles for the last four years or so. It's a better version of Peppa Pig is kind of what I can say. It, it's, it puts Peppa Pig to shame, in my opinion. Um, it's about a family of dogs who live in a world where dogs are the dominant species, but like none of that matters. It's kind of like Doug where everyone's a different color, but no one really talks about it. Like they're just dogs. That's the way the show is structured. And uh, it's about this family called the Healers. They're blue Healer dogs that live in Brisbane, Australia. And it's just about being good parents and teaching your kids to be good kids. It's a good show. And uh, in season three, I think my two favorite episodes uh, are Pavlova, which is where the dad bandit tries to teach his youngest daughter, Bingo, to try and adventure into new foods, which is something I definitely need to do as as a parent and as a just an adult in person, she wants to have cake. He wants her to eat something healthy, and so uh, Bingo's older sister Bluey decides that she's gonna sneak around the fact that her parents don't want Bingo to have cake, and they're gonna play cafe where she'll feed her cake in the game. So Bandit Aww. decides he's gonna interject into the game as this nonsensical speaking chef who he just speaks not just a bunch of, he just speaks random nonsense French words like they're real French words, but they make no sense. And he, he's going to be the chef and he's trying to make Bingo eat healthy food. And uh, by the end of the episode, Bingo's like, I don't like it when you make me eat th- eat new things. I, I want to pick ch- or I want to choose to eat new things. And so at the end of the episode, she decides she wants to have the cake. But then she sees the, the healthy food sitting there and she takes a bite and she goes, ooh. And then the episode ends. It's super cute, and it's a great message that you don't just force the kids to try new things or healthy foods. You got to let them choose to. Here's here's my question to you about the show. It's absolutely adorable, and yes, you should watch it even at, without
3: children. <laughs> well, I mean that's that's the thing is like you are not the only person I've heard this from. Where like who talk about this show, which you know I think it sounds like pretty definitively is for babies. You know, talk about it as, like, this actually really great show. Like, what make the pitch to me. Like, what is it about this show that, like, elevates it beyond just being, like, a, a good kid's show?
0: It doesn't talk down to to kids is probably right. the best way I can put it. It's not Dora the Explorer where they're talking to the camera and be like, can you say hola? And then you just sit there for five seconds. It's It's genuinely funny. It's genuinely sincere. It'll make you have feels because, again, the other episode that I was talking about is is called um, Curry Quest, where literally the mom is explaining the hero's journey trope to Bluey and Bingo and Bandit are going on a, a little errand that coincides with the mom talking about the hero's journey. So, like, they start off talking about how the hero usually does not want to go on the journey so Bingo's like, I don't want to go to Mackenzie's house to do this thing, and then the dad goes, "Well, his mom has face paint." Oh, okay, now I'll go. So like, you have the the refusal to go on the adventure, and then you have the thing that gets them to go on the adventure, and it just goes on from there. And it's just really clever storytelling, and it's just again sincere and wonderful. There's the drama is natural, if that makes any sense. Like it, it never feels forced. And everything just feels authentic, even if it is dogs. All right. All right. So what age
2: would you say this is uh, aimed towards?
0: I would say it's, it's probably 5 to 50. That would be the age range.
2: All right. So i age out next year. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the way you're explaining it, like it's a kid show, it kind of reminds me. Yes, I know i am the oddity here in liking teen titans go but they just did a few episodes an episode all about porch piracy and you know like stealing packages and stuff and they had an episode on the share economy the gig economy and stuff like that they did an episode on how to do proper investments like a proper equity investment in a house to actually raise value and stuff so beside the insanity of the show it's like there's actual lessons here they did an episode on actually like what common core math is supposed to be and stuff like that and it always throws me off a little bit so it actually sounds like this is a kind of show we were talking about that they talk about the tropes and the hero's journey and stuff like that that it's actually trying to educate without that condescension that we often see in shows so that's cool i have to look for it on my right, i already clothes.
0: forgot what the uh pattern we were talking about alex i think i had you going next I think that sounds right so alex what you doing
2: <sighs> so i have a younger brother who is significantly younger than me uh he's 15 so i'm what 22 years older than him And I've been trying to look for games to bond with him on. We tried doing uh, some Fortnite for a while and that didn't go that great because he's over the kind of battle royale thing like I am. He, I tried to get him into playing Destiny 2, which is my, you know, my like year and a half long addiction now. But he he explained to me, he's like, yo, you don't understand. It's like a treadmill of the grind. So we eventually started playing Dead by Daylight. Yeah. And Dead by Daylight is such a trip of a game. Because I don't know if I like it or hate it. But I find myself constantly playing with him queuing for the next round. So the core concept basically is there's four survivors and you do have a bit of a skill tree you can kind of play with in there they just revamped it uh, a few weeks back to for some balance stuff and then you have a, another person who queues as the killer and they you know you get dropped there's a dozens of maps
0: oh yeah okay i just didn't know the name of it but yeah i've seen that you can and they have like uh they have worked in like licensed killers as well like yeah, Jason guy. And freddy krueger and stuff is what...
2: yeah uh, they have their own, but they also have like Leatherface, and um, they have Wesker from Resident Evil. That's not going to be a new one. That's pretty insane. So all the killers have different skill sets that they can bring to it. They have different mechanics that kind of you know break the mold, and so they all feel a little bit different. Uh, basically, the premise is always the same. You're dropped on a map. You have to find there's seven generators. You have to fix four of them to then power up the, one of two exit points. You try to get to an exit point, open it up, and you try to escape. Killer wins if he gets all of you. If there's only one person left on the map, then a hatch door opens. So you can either try to fix the last generators or find the hatch and escape. But there's just something so engaging about the core loop of the game that I'm never bored. I just don't know if I like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the 4v1 concept is really interesting. And I I think that the idea that you could go against someone like me, who's usually awful at those sort of games as the killer, and you can end up just whooping my butt. And then you could go against someone else, like, say, Matt, who would probably be better than me at it, and he he could make it more challenging. So the, the diversity and the challenge of the game alone seems like a pretty good Yeah, I've,
3: I've dabbled with it a bit. I've got friends who are really into it. And I think I'm in a similar boat where it's like, you know, I enjoy playing it. I don't know if it's good. Like, it's kind of clunky. It's kind of not the most polished. But, like, if you have a decent group, especially if you're, like, playing with friends who are Chill. It's like it's really easy to like get sucked into like down a rabbit hole of oh just one more match, and then it's one of those games where I I distinctly remember the time where a bunch of us were playing and we had a random killer and he had killed all of us, but I just kept managing to evade him for like twenty minutes. Well, he didn't kill all of us because the hatch didn't show up, but I was able to kill him, evade him for like twenty minutes, getting hooked, getting released, and then escaping again. And just like, just these weird little fun stories that crop up just because it's designed to do that. So
2: normally it's just me and my brother playing alone, but he has his own Discord server. And so some of his friends will pop on and we'll do like custom, you know, a custom match. So it's, you know, four friends against him. We cycle out who's the killer. And that's where the game is really fun because it un- all the perks and stuff unlock, So you can build really broken builds, and but then they can make a really broken killer. But what keeps me looped in is when we're playing randomly, it's that first like three or four minutes where you're trying to figure out what kind of killer are you facing? Are you facing the screen person? Are you facing one of their customs? Are you facing someone are you facing Huntress who hums? And it's and because some because you have this aura around you that you will the, the killer has an aura so if it gets closer you'll hear like music or something but there's a few killers who don't do that so you're just there working on the generator kind of panning the camera on back and forth and all of a sudden Ghostface appears behind you because that's what their thing is they startle because you end up right behind you and they slash and you're running it's like oh, okay we we're facing Ghostface we're face it. constantly look constantly look and then you have like Michael Myers and his thing is is that he has to like watch you to get like, charge up to get activate his, his abilities. So if you spot him and he's watching you, you have to watch him back. You can't just keep working because then you'll, he'll get stronger. So you're kind of stuck like, okay, I got to watch him, but I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk as I watch and try to get over here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and yeah. it's just kind of fun. And it, it's really fun connecting with my brother like that. It also was really funny when, um, we're playing with his friends and when I was like, Oh, your Adam's brother. Yeah. He talks about you. Like, did you move out like a few years ago or something? And I was like, no, I haven't ever lived with him. And they're like, Oh, how old are you? So I told them I'm 37 and there's just silence. And I, after about five or six seconds, I went, yes, I know I'm ancient compared to you. And they went, Oh, thank God. They're like, Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. But I was like, dear God, you're like as old as our parents. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. And yes, I suck at this game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I think about that constantly about how when I was a kid or even just a teenager, like 37 seems so old. And I turned 37 this year and I'm like, I don't feel that old. I'm not, I don't, I don't think so.
3: When you, cause when earlier when you were like, oh, he's 15. So I'm 22 years older than him. I was like, wow, that's, that's a crazy age gap. And then I was like, you're old as shit. And then I went like, wait a second. <laughs> when I did the math in my head and I was like, what is that? Maybe not.
0: <laughs> He's only a year older than you, maybe a year and a half. So, yeah, that's that makes him old as shit. Yeah. I'm old as shit. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, what you doing? You know what I'm
3: doing. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No. I'm talking about Strange New Worlds. The show rules.
2: Okay, all right. You can, and as as of now, it's
3: the most recent of the new Star Trek shows. Which I think I've said before on the show, to varying degrees, I like all the shows they put out to some degree or another. But I think Strange New Worlds is like by far, far and away, like the best show that they've put out since they started doing new Star Trek stuff a few years ago. If you don't know what it is, it's basically like pre original series. It's Captain Pike, the original captain of the enterprise his crew just doing star trek stuff and it's like an episodic show that is every week we're doing a new adventure there's like an alien themed episode not alien themed but like an alien inspired episode where there's like they're being stalked by a creature that wants to kill them there's like a fucking fairy tale episode ah it's just so good it's so perfect
0: i love it and this is pre-Kelvin timeline or whatever it is pre, pre the like timeline uh, split isn't it put that out of your head
3: entirely don't even don't even worry about it those movies <laughs> are just in their own own world never the twain shall meet
2: okay so the way you have to sell this show for me is as someone who hated who hates the JJ Abrams verse and most of the Paramount shows is how does this being a prequel to the original Star Trek actually have stakes and interest and is actually compelling. I think ultimately
3: like it's just doing that good Star Trek shit, you know? Like when you watch TNG, you know that like at the end of the episode, 9 times out of 10 with like some very rare exceptions, everyone's going to be fine by the end of the episode. So, it's just this week we're doing a Star Trek thing. And like, that's, it's, it's a, it's really kind of like the one thing I've wanted from these, from these Paramount shows is that kind of an adventure a week, I can just drop into an episode and watch it pretty much get by just fine. And then by the end of the episode, we're zipping off to do the next thing. And that's really what we're doing here. It's really inspired by that kind of TOS slash TNG style storytelling. So I mean, like there's some stuff there where like, You know, all these characters originally originated in, well, these versions of the characters, obviously, originated in season two of Discovery and are, you know, in that sort of liminal space between that and like whenever sometime in the future, the original series starts. So, you know, you know, Spock's in the show, you know, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be fine. Pike's in the show, you know, someday in the future, maybe on the show, maybe not. He ends up in that weird chair. But, you know, the cast is so good the it's just fun, you know? So like, I don't know about stakes, but I get the same kind of enjoyment out of it that I do just like I'm going to throw on a TNG tonight and just vibe with my pals. I don't know if that answers the question.
2: No, that basically does answer the question because like cuz I love Star Trek and I came from the TNG into DS9, Voyager was hit or miss enterprise was rough until like the last season and a half but i got so mad watching uh, the first chris pine star trek because the weird misunderstanding of what the show was about and and what the series is about was i think surmised by that spot old spock going what? You're not the captain? What the hell? And then everybody is excited that Captain Kirk takes over the Enterprise by baiting the captain into fighting him so they could have him disbarred, dis- you know, like whatever. And then he flops in the chair and everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, this is a good idea. I I convinced him to fight me in front of everyone by dissing his mom." <laughs> And everybody's just going to roll with this, and I'm yeah, this is supposed to be a stars. heroic <laughs> moment. Captain Kirk is on the ship, <laughs> and then the law, and then Star Trek the, to the non Wrath of Khan, the lying about Khan not being in it, and and then that dramatic like, "Who are you? I am Nigmansoon Khan," and they're like,
3: <gasps> "And it's like, the characters yeah. are like, I don't, who? Who? What, who. <laughs> yeah, they should have gone who? Like, okay, why?" my favorite bit of that second movie and this is a bit of a tangent is like there's there's a bit in that movie when you know Khan's doing his thing and things are at their worst and and Zachary Quinto as Spock is like oh, man I don't know how we're gonna get out of this I know what we need to do and then he calls up Leonard Nimoy Spock and he's like hey man when you fought this guy in your movie what did you guys do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: he's and like
3: I just... oh you're in this movie
0: and then they didn't do anything similar to what they did to beat him. Cause if I remember correctly in the wrath of Khan, they beat him by out thinking him because he's thinking like two dimensionally in space travel where they're like 3d space, you can move in any which way. And then in this one, they're like, we're going to fight on top of a mobile trash compactor.
2: Yeah. It, it, that's exactly what happened in the wrath of Khan was that he was a good line technician and they used the three, the geometry you know, of, the, of a 3d world against him and defeated him. But And then I started trying Discovery, but I got just so, like, I couldn't find a person I actually liked on the show because it was just, it seemed like, they're like, yeah, people like really big space battles and the entire crew hating each other.
0: And swears.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
3: And it's interesting that you mention those Abrams movies because I think they did have a big impact on, like, the shows that are coming out now. Most notably in, like, the visual style, right? Where, like, they're very cinematic. They're very shiny and like they're 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 a little more action oriented. And I think Strange New Worlds is like that too, to a degree, whether it's more there's usually an action set piece somewhere in the thing, even if it's like a space battle or something. Um but yeah, I mean they the shows all kind of adopt that to lesser and greater degrees. And I I think Discovery is alright. Like I I think it definitely is like, you know, I like the first season okay and then I think it's not been on an upward trajectory for most of its run. Especially, like, once once they, like, get away from feeling like they're tied to – because, like, a d- Discovery also starts in that weird space where it's, like, we're set some number of years before the original series, after Enterprise. So, like, you can feel that tension where they're, like, well, we're sort of a prequel here. And once they, like – you know, I don't know if, how much you guys know about what happens in that show, but once they break away from that, I think they're much more free to, like, do their own thing for better or worse because – we're at a point now, where they're like, we don't need to worry about anything. So, I mean, you know, your minds may vary. Maybe you want to go back to it. Maybe you don't. But either way, I think if you haven't seen Strange New Worlds, you know, there's some of that that Abramsy sheen on it because it's just it's a modern TV show. But I think that the things that they are doing, the stories are they're they're trying very uh, specifically to be as much of a like an old school Star Trek show as you can get in 2022. Like there's you know persistent character arcs that go throughout the season. It's a little more actiony, but it is like this week we're going to do this problem, this issue of the week, and then we're going to be done with it by the end. And then next week it's a different thing. Like the cast is great. Anson Mount plays Pike. You may remember him being exploded in Doctor Strange two, um, but he he rules. He's great. He's like he's like just the most charming guy, and you just want to you know hang out with him. <laughs> Maybe do other stuff with him depending on your predilections, <laughs> but he's very
0: dreamy. All right. Well, we're going to kind of do a snake format here. So Matt, you can go ahead with your next what you doing.
3: All right. I'm going to get into some weird anime type bullshit. Not really anime, but anime adjacent. I've I'm, been I'm playing a lot of uh, the great Ace Attorney Chronicles on Switch. Oh, okay. If you don't know anything about these games, the Ace Attorney games have been go- have been around for like 20 years at this point, 15 years or something. And they're basically anime-inspired, like, visual novels slash courtroom dramas where you are playing a defense attorney who is, you know, charged with defending your client, usually against, like, murder accusations. And there's, like, weird twisty attorney cases and, like, weird characters and all very anime-inspired. And this newest one, I newest, it came out, like, last year here in the U.S. It's a compilation of two previously untranslated games that were never translated into English until now, um, called The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. And it's basically a, a pair of games about, like, a young lawyer who is... He's from Japan, and he's traveling to Britain in, like, the 1800s. So, like, Sherlock Holmesy times and stuff like that. And then, you know, the weird culture shock, and, like, also, you know, doing the lawyer stuff. And I fucking love these games for as long as they've been coming out, and, like, I'm just a weird obsessed nerd about them and it always takes me forever to get through any of the games so it came out in like april of last year but i'm you know chipping away at them here and there i play a little bit usually every night before bed and i don't know they just rule
0: yeah i remember playing the first ace attorney game uh on your recommendation back in like 2008 2009 and yeah those are good times it's a good games they they make you think they're not like They're not platforming. Like you said, it's more of a visual novel kind of thing.
3: Yeah, you're going around like you're talking to characters to gather clues and like sort of sometimes pixel hunting the the environments to get clues. And then it's, you know, you're in court and then you're like, you know, tearing apart witness testimony by presenting evidence and like pointing out contradictions and, you know, things like that. See, all I know about
2: Ace Attorney is from all the memes I see. <laughs> it's very meme-y. Yeah, you know, he's pointing, he's like, objection!
0: Yep. Yep. That was one of the better parts of the, the, the original DS version is you could use the microphone, you could yell objection to make the game go, objection!
3: No! <laughs> really? Yep. it's awesome. All these games have just fucking great music. Like, earlier today... I caught up on podcasts and I was like, I'm just going to just going to rock these tunes for a couple hours while I'm working. And then when like the courtroom music, like when things start to like really kind of turn around and like the noose is tightening on the kill on the killer or whatever, the music is like they're real bops when it's like, all right, I'm coming for you motherfucker. That's me at work today. Just (laughs) like, yeah.
2: So, okay. This is a part of nerddom that I am not very uh, familiar with. What exactly the hell is a visual novel in terms of a gameplay?
0: You know like the Quantic Dream games or um, uh, what is it like death uh, what is it Death till dawn or something like that?
2: Yeah, dead till dawn.
0: Dead till dawn that's right. Uh, those kind of movies where there are games where they're essentially interactive movies. Yeah, yeah, it's basically that, but it's more of a like an interactive manga.
3: Sort of, yeah. Like you're, you're mostly just talking to characters, and it's not like super. There's not like it's not. You're not really having to do much of like controlling a character. It's like talk to this guy, and maybe you're pressing through some menus to like choose the topics you're talking about and stuff. And this game is like, you know, a little more involved because it's like you're choosing. There's a, there's a there's a whole section where it's about the court stuff, but it's still very text based and. A lot of talking to characters and stuff like that. Mm, okay. Sorry if I your toes. Yeah, about. no,
0: that's that's pretty much what I was trying to say, probably more eloquently than I would have gotten to. I think most
3: developers that do the visual novels are like Japanese devs, so it's all like very anime, very just dating sims, things like that. Yeah, if
0: you have if you have Game Pass, um I know Danganronpa Don Gun Rampo one and two are on there. They're pretty popular uh visual novels.
3: I haven't played those but I've heard there's a lot of shared DNA between like that and Ace Attorney to like there's like weird mystery, murder mystery stuff there. And I think if you're interested in like the Ace Attorney game specifically, I think at this point they're they've like remastered the original three games that were originally on DS and they're all they're on PlayStation, they're on Xbox, they're on mm, Switch. They look so great too. If there's something Yeah. But there's a if you someone decides they wanna try that out, inspired by my weird <laughs> rambling, then odds are you have something that can play it.
0: Let's keep this train rolling, Alex. What you doing?
2: I'm in a position that I haven't been in for about 13 years right now. I do not have an active Dungeons and Dragons game, and it is driving me nuts. Yar. <laughs> so I started playing Dungeons and Dragons earnestly uh, a little while after I started my job. Uh, a job as some coworkers were like, "I've been wanting to put a game together for a while." So we started this game. The game is still going. It's just, however, on hiatus. And it's been, we've been playing this game for 13 years. We're playing 3.5 for those people who know versions of Dungeons and Dragons. But we're on hiatus because some stuff's going on in his the DM's personal life. And we need to take some time off. It's going to be a few more weeks. So during that time frame, our characters you know, are level 26, 27 now. We've literally—we've gone from our first game was, hey, listen, this like little camp got sacked and you know we're worried about this monastery to now we are trying to build a weapon to literally kill a god <laughs> that is how far we've got we've we've struck bargains with tiamat the 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 god of the god of destruction herself the five-headed dragon to like hey we need some blood so we can quench this this weapon in some some of your blood so we can go kill it. it's a different god Tot's it's cool right but it is paused and it hurts because we've been playing these characters um we had a larger group but eventually the group got basically kind of cold down to my wife and i and we each play two characters so we have a balanced party of four and we play every sunday for about four hours but it's paused now if i had my my game going i have two different games going that wouldn't be a problem I'd be like okay i have something to fall back on and i have my game that i've been playing for three and a half years. This is a fifth edition game. Some uh, friends from work—they've never played Dungeons Dragons—want to try. I threw them a one-off and a session, and they're like, "Well, let's play a little bit." And you know, I took them through um, the, my, uh, the Lost Minds of Philander, which is the starter package for Dungeons & Dragons fifth edition. Completely changed it all to fit the world that I run in. You know, so much so that when they started, um, one of the couples in the in the group started their own game they ran that module for their, for their friends and didn't realize that they, that they were running what I ran for them. <laughs> Cause I changed names, sequences, NPCs, move stuff around. Like I wasn't until they got to one of the big maps or a cave map. They're like, wait a second. I remember this cave. I'm like, yeah, I kept <laughs> that the same. I suck at maps, man. <laughs> so they're at a point right now where they have, we paused in late July because they reached a point where there's this big reveal. I basically have the, the Lost Minds was the prologue, and then I kind of created Acts One, Two, and they're in the middle. Of, they're at the end of Act Three right now, and I've charted out them. There are about eight games left that uh, I can think of. They finally, this big overarching thing is going on. they realize what it is. They afterwards, we were talking on Discord, and they're like, "Dude, I didn't." It's like I was piecing it together. I didn't expect that. I'm like, "Yes." And it's like, "Okay, cool." Now we'll reconvene after you guys give birth. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I know you have children. Their child was born 11 days ago. Is it too soon for me to ask them to play?
0: (laughs) You have to give them at least six months. (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) Oh, are you sure? Depends on the baby. It could be nine months. I mean, my well, she was pregnant for nine months. (laughs) But you don't know what the baby's sleep schedule is. My baby still wakes up. She's 10 months, and she still wakes up in the middle of the night. I haven't had a good night's sleep in, like, a year.
2: Oh, Okay, okay, okay. So that also wouldn't be too bad. If my Vampire the Masquerade game was also going. Now, I'm not running this one. A different friend is. And we play every other Friday night, which is why you have trouble scheduling me on Friday nights. (laughs) Vampire the Masquerade, for those who don't know, is basically... If Anne Rice and D had a baby and decided to be even more gothic <laughs> <laughs> Because it's all about the masquerade, which be- which means vampires are hiding and no one knows about them and gotta be kept mysterious. So basically you start off, you create your character, and you f- oh no, someone in my life is actually a vampire. But I found out, so therefore I have to be churned, and now I'm turned to a vampire, but I have to cut off all ties to my life and you know be brooding in a corner as I hide from the fact of the world that I am in true a monster of the night now. And there's vampire hunters and werewolves exist and blah, 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 blah. That was also a good time. However, I, I made a fatal error.
0: Did you eat some garlic?
2: No. I invited the people who were in my fifth edition game to be in this game too. So that's also on my <laughs> <off. Yeah. laughs> No, in all seriousness, I love this couple and I'm so happy that as a child, I've been such a cheerleader for them and excited for them and, you know, the, and so happy for them. It just, all of a sudden I realized that when all the games paused, I went, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> gonna, they were my outlets, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> my escape from this reality. So now I'm stuck reading Reddit boards of other people's games. <laughs> And wondering what the 6th edition Dungeons & Dragons is going to look like when it comes out in 2024. And being excited for Spelljammer. I actually have bought three books for Dungeons & Dragons because I love buying the books for, you know, the you know third-party books, the splat yeah. books kind of thing where, you know, you just want the extra content. I, I've bought some of those. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. I can't wait to put – shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to run – nope oh. nope <laughs> i've actually looked at my uh looked at my wife and i been like hey liz how would you feel if your character had a dream and i just ran you through something she's like you're not giving me xp when nobody else is playing <laughs> like no at least she's fair <sighs> uh, yes i'm so excited for them they have such they, like they've been showing um we uh, we bought them, of course, a bunch of nerd stuff and Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Um, and so, in our Discord for the D D group, they've sent pictures of the baby every day and like the different outfits and stuff. Cute. Yeah, it's great. I I'm I'm so happy for them. But they're every day. I'm like, ah, I mean, it's been eleven days. <laughs> <laughs> surely they can get like four hours away from the child
3: no
0: <laughs> well i mean in these early stages at least the baby is essentially just like a lump so i mean they, they could just like throw it on their shoulder and like have a burp cloth or something and just let it sleep on their shoulder while they play i don't know how interactive D really can be but it depending on how loud it gets too i don't know but uh, at least for the first like two to three months the baby could just theoretically sleep on someone's shoulder
2: okay i'm gonna snip this part of the uh <laughs> of the pod of the podcast and send to them let them know like hey listen i have other d- i have other people on my side guys come on
0: <laughs> that's what i did with my first kid uh i would play destiny at like 10 p.m to like 1 a.m and uh she would just be on my shoulder while i'm holding the controller and i'm just making sure she's not like slipping <laughs>
2: Matt, you you don't happen to play Dungeons and Dragons and want to put me in a game so I can get my fix, do you?
0: <laughs> I mean, I've dabbled in
3: Dungeons and Dragons. I don't really have a, an active game right now, so I I don't think I can really help you out too much. <laughs> <sighs> okay, all right. Because I've been I've been threatening
2: Josh for a long time now that I'm going to run him and Beppo through a game. <laughs> and so if I yeah, I got you now, okay, that's two. Uh, that's right, three people. I I have the source book uh I have the source book where I can make a balanced party by giving you guys an NPC to, NPC backup. All right, I got I got this going. Josh, I know you've been wanting to play kind of not
0: really for a while now. The one time I tried to play D&D, it was with Matt and our buddy Jason. And we pooled our money together to buy like three co- three editions of a, a campaign or whatever it is. Yeah, like a whole
3: set of books like the uh, yeah Engine, the DM's guide, the starters guide, bestiary, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and we spent an entire day creating characters and filling out our character cards, and then the next day we didn't do anything. Uh, Jason got really upset that we were eating Cheetos around the books. Oh my gosh. And then I mean, we were he went BTS. and joined the military, <laughs> and we never saw the books again.
3: Yeah, that was right before. That was like right before people started moving away. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> just the worst timing for us to spend a collective hundred bucks or whatever.
2: <laughs> okay, so to assuage you guys of some fears, one, I already have all the books. Two, there's D and D Beyond or Pathfinder Nexus. So as long as I create, you know, I haven't, I have, a, I've paid for the account. So. All I have to do is just you log in for free and you can, sh- and you share all my stuff that I've bought. So we don't, you don't have to have any monetary investment. I, I got this. <laughs> now that being said, I do need about two to four hours of an interruptive time of your guys' life so that we can actually play.
0: <laughs> I barely have time to get to the comic shop. I, I don't have two to three hours. Oh,
3: okay. Josh, Josh still loves Cheetos. So don't let them near your book. <laughs> oh, Okay.
2: Okay, so this actually that actually that Cheetah story does remind you. Uh, it remind reminds me. me of what. <laughs> <laughs> so we were playing 3.5, and that had gone out of print, but we were playing because this is like 2009, fourth edition had just come out, and so the DM who we were playing with, I mean, so he's still our DM. He gave us the books to create characters and was walking us through it. And so you take the book, you know, you open it, and I had it like lying flat. And he walks over and picks up the book and closes it. And I'm like, what? And he's like, he's like, everything's out of print, man. So the, and these are like expensive, they're like 40 bucks each. So if you could just keep it and he like has it open. So it's still in a V shape, just, just like this. Cause we don't want to crack the spine. And the pages start coming yeah, yeah. loose. I still open books like that because of him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Let me see. Uh, I have my book down here. I'm going to do a visual on an audio podcast.
0: Oh, welcome to the club.
2: So I have my yep, three point five up. book here. You see how nice the binding is? This book is in fact <laughs> now was it printed two thousand and three? Yeah. Almost twenty years old, still pristine. <laughs> <laughs> And I have created so many characters from this. Yes, you gotta you gotta hold it like this. Yep. Gotta keep the V shape, like those really lazy birds that you draw that are just like yep. sad use.
3: It looks so it's not looks to break or, it. looks just like one of those birds.
0: That reminds <laughs> me. i I totally forgot to uh, reference our friend Tim from the video game club podcast. He has another podcast called the Fanatics Podcast, where they watch the really bad movie The Fanatic, starring John oh, Travolta. Man and uh, Devin Siwa, Sawa, whatever his name yeah. is, the kid from Final Destination. And the very first shot of the movie, if I'm remembering, is of this really bad stock footage of the Hollywood sign. And there's there's this bird that flies across, but they've clearly slowed it down. So the bird is, like, flapping really <laughs> unrealistically. And Tim calls it 5 uh, FPS bird. <laughs> <laughs> And God, when weird. we were watching Prey last week with that shot of the bird in the sky, like early on in the film, I immediately went, that's 5 FPS's bird's uh, <laughs> ancestor. <laughs> but you should listen to The Fanatic. It's really good. I guessed it on an episode, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. They're going to start doing uh, Catwoman as their next one because their bit is they watch the same movie once a week for an entire year. And it has to be like one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> Oh, and so they're going to be watching Halle Berry's Catwoman for once a week for 52 weeks. Ow. (laughs) So moving, moving along, though, that's not what I'm doing. So, Josh, what you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm kind of in Matt's boat, too, because we're getting close to that hour crunch that I, I needed to keep us away from. I'm going to go with Only Murders in the Building, because that hasn't quite wrapped up yet. I think by the time this episode drops, episode 10 will have come out. So um, the the series will have concluded by then, but uh, episode 9 just dropped yesterday. And uh, it is really good. And I'm pretty sure it's the first time I've ever heard both Steve Martin and Martin Short say fuck.
3: (laughs) I've heard good things about that show. I can't speak so fuck.
0: Now that I'm thinking about, it, I think you're right. I know the jerk is rated R, but I don't think Steve Martin ever drops an R or an F bomb in there.
2: No, there's a bunch of nudity in there. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I don't,
0: I don't know that I've ever actually seen that. Heard them drop an F bomb. I know they've been in some, some R-rated movies.
2: Airplane. I'm mean, uh, sorry, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Steve Martin. Oh yeah, hurts. Oh,
0: yeah. His yep, monologue. Yep. Yes. That's right. Okay,
2: but Martin Short definitely. I've not heard say fuck.
0: Yeah. He, he says it a lot too. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, good murder mystery stuff and uh, just really well-written the, this season is season two is more about developing characters. Like uh, there, there's a character from season one who you ju- they just make you hate immediately because they're like antagonizing your, your core trio. And then by like episode three of season two, they're completely sympathetic. You're like, Oh my God, why, why did I hate this person? I love this person. It's just so well-written.
2: Selena Gomez is in that, correct? Yeah. She's correct. one of the main characters.
0: She, I, so I've never seen Selena Gomez in anything. Like, I think the only thing I've actually intentionally watched with her in it was the Muppet movie where she's in the very end singing phenomena. And so she has like no lines of dialogue. And so when I heard her speak for the first time in this show, I was like, that is not the voice I expected coming out of that person. And she has a very like monotone, deeper voice, and I was just like, that's that's interesting. I was not expecting that. I mean, that could be her her choice for the character. I don't know, but overall, it, her character is very great. Um, but yeah, I just I was like a little taken aback. I was like, that's not what I expected from a, a Disney sweetheart.
2: Yeah, I only really know her from um, being Mavis in the. Hotel Transylvania films
0: is that her I thought that was uh Miley Cyrus
2: no that's Mavis oh she's Mavis yeah and my sisters um they're about 10 years younger than me they were all about her and her albums and stuff like that when she was doing the Disney stuff so I'm not too you know so I, I relate her a lot to my sisters just because of that whole like oh my god I love Selena Gomez I'm like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> i kind of stopped watching Disney about this time. Sorry. Um, so I was wondering how she paired off against him because part of the reason I got Hulu last week was uh, my spouse and I want to watch Only Murders in the Building, and I wanted to watch Prey. But we're starting that sh- we're starting Only Murders in the Building tomorrow because you hear so much about Steve Martin and Martin Short. I was wanting to know a little bit more about her. Like, does she hold up with him? Pair with him well?
0: She she holds up with him really well. She's she is definitely the uh, what are uh, the zoomer. She she kind of helps them relate more to the younger people. Uh, but I mean, we grew up with Steve Martin and Martin Short, so like they're already just endearing to us. Uh, so Selena Gomez, at least for me, was the one that needed to prove that she belonged with those two, and I, I think she does miraculously. And I shouldn't say miraculously, marvelously. <laughs> Not miraculously, because from what I've heard, she is a, a very talented actress.
2: Yeah, I only knew her as a singer, but that's really, but I'm excited to uh, start that because, I mean, even like the press that I read is mostly about, like, oh, yes, Steve, you know, Steve Martin helped create the show and it's still going. And it's this huge hit and give them all the stuff. I'm like, I thought she was the third bill, like, you know, the part of the triumvirate. So I wanted to kn- I wanted to know more about her and you know, how she does. Cause I know yeah, it's every, that's what my sister's watching. My sister's recommended it to me and they always say like, Oh yeah, you know, so let go. But she's in it. So of course you watch it. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Everyone in the show though is, is just top notch. Like there, there's a bunch of people I don't know in this show, uh, but they, they, they're all wonderfully cast and they they perform, their performances are all great. Uh, they even have a, a deaf cast member who performs ASL. And uh, I think if there's one gripe I have, it's somewhere in season two, there's an episode where Selena Gomez and the deaf person come together for an adventure and the episode starts with Selena Gomez saying, I don't know ASL. And by the end of the episode, the guy's signing at her and she's like understanding completely what he's saying. And like, you learned ASL in a day? Huh. And she's like monologuing at him. He can read lips, but he, he gave her a card early on. He's like, I get a third of what you're saying. And she's sitting there monologuing at him while he, well, he's driving. Oh. And so he, I'm like, what, who are you talking to right now? Really? Oh, like that's rude. So we're doing the snaking thing here. So the other thing that I am doing is uh, we just finished Ricky. My wife and I, we just finished watching the boys. Yeah. Uh, season three.
2: I am uh, up to season 3 of this season. I have re- I started watching it last week to catch up season 2 and I watched Diabolical. So no spoilers for further in season 3. <laughs> no
0: no spoilers. I just I just love how like season 1 was really compelling and interesting and then season 2 they went, yeah, there's Nazis in this show. Like there's no subtext, nothing. These are Nazis. And yeah. then in season yeah. 3, this isn't really much of a spoiler. They went yeah, we had Nazis last season. Now we've got Trump supporters.
2: <laughs> oh yes, the Storm yeah. Fronteras. They're pretty.
3: They're pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the boys is a show where, like, I'm not super prescriptive about like my superhero stuff, but generally, when like the premise is, what if like the superheroes, but they're all shitheads doesn't usually work on me because usually that's all it is it's that like like doesn't usually go any farther than that than like you know superman right and he's like a really nice guy what if he was actually a fucking dickhead but the boys is like is that to a certain degree but it's also a lot more so i was like really surprised at how taken i was when i watched and part of it is i think i was in the middle i started watching it in 2020 when everybody was completely depressed <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was like I, maybe I was just more receptive to it because I was just looking for anything to like you know get get away
0: from the actual horrible things I think the framing device works as well where these are corporate figures they're not just like super powered assholes kind of like yep. the ultimates when that was going on with was it Mark Miller was writing that yeah like oh let's make Captain America complete racist asshole for no reason other than the fact that it's the 1940s so When you have these superheroes who are essentially groomed to be prima donnas and believe that they're better than everyone else uh, because they're also corporate entities who are worried about like approval points and profit margins because of uh, marketing like you get this really interesting uh, duality of you have the Disney side where they're satirizing Disney and then you also have the political side where they're satirizing fascism and it blends together almost seamlessly like capitalism almost leads to fascism in a way
3: <clears throat> hmm, weird.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. It's really
3: interesting. Cause there's, there's so much uh, commentary satire. I don't know if the, the best, the best word for it for that kind of stuff where like there are very, there are times that they're very clearly like taking aim at, you know, the ubiquity of something like the MCU where like all these, cause all these superheroes are also movie stars who are in their big, bombastic Avengers movies basically. And then they're also like you say, political figures and it's just such sometimes it's a little heavy handed, but it's almost always like on point if nothing else, like there, there's a, there's a point of view they are They know what they're doing and it's like almost always like so sharp.
0: Yeah. And for, for me, for people who have listened to the show before, like I don't like shows that have character, like an entire cast of characters with no redeeming qualities so with the boys like you at least have huey and starlight who are like the moral compasses of the show and mm uh mother's milk um those two those three characters really kind of try to point everyone to the point of virtue or doing the right thing at least doing it the right way where and then you also have who for all intents and purposes is a protagonist you have billy butcher who is just willing to do anything and everything to get at homelander Yeah, and it's It's such a Superman Superman
3: stand-in, by the way.
0: Yeah, and it's just such a good dynamic.
2: See, that's actually why I think the show works is because each they have nuance for each of the characters. Like, I love the Kamiko Frenchie storyline. Like, I, I, she, um, she can't speak because of some of the horrors in her life, and so that's what actually what i loved about season two was is that frenchie was trying so hard to make a connection to her then through her brother and then back to her that when she finally decided to re-embrace some of humanity by teaching frenchie sign language her sign language that she invented herself i was like oh this is such rewarding payoff and then starting season three oh he Knows it fluently now because it's been a year later and their relationship. Th- I I don't know if they ever start developing a of physical relationship because Frenchy obviously seems to want one, but that their relationship is earnest and sweet despite the fact they're yep. both just psychopaths killing people. <laughs> <laughs> like she, yeah, she's a she's a super and she just whoops ass and yeah. And yeah, uh, he's and a,
3: that, a, yeah. a former assassin. <laughs> well, and like, her, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's
2: just I that the the finale of season two where she you finally hear her she starts laughing before beating the hell out of Stormfront was I was yeah. like this is
3: creepy. She's smiling <laughs> and laughing. <laughs> well, and, and Josh, Josh was talking about these characters. like you know so so many of these characters do not have any redeeming qualities. And I think Homelander, played by Anthony Starr. I think I think Anthony Starr is his name. I, that right. sounds right. Yes, it is. You know, he's like the most irredeemable of all of them. But he's like, he is an incredible actor. Like, just it's hard to describe. But like the, the sort of energy and like stuff he brings to like this guy who could be just a one note, um,
0: like evil Superman character. kind of yeah
3: yeah. He, like, brings, like, a depth and, like, a, a sort of, at times, like, a sort of barely contained rage and, like, sadness even. Like, you know, sadness because he's a shithead who doesn't, he's not getting his way all the time. <laughs> but, you know, still, like, it's, he's so good at that, that sometimes I'm watching this show. I, I I remember thinking that a few times in season three where I was like, holy shit, this guy, this guy is a monster. Like, the character he's playing is a monster, but, like, he's being played with such pathos that you almost see like a person in there
2: yeah like there was um probably beginning of season three they're at a movie premiere and he and huey i think for the first time are in the, like the same frame and huey's like three inches taller than him i'm like what but he's <laughs> he's huge i'm like yep. is jack quaid like six seven i'm like no jack quaid's apparently six one it's just homelander i think star is five ten yeah. and i'm like but he towers and then i'm looking back and like, he doesn't tower over everybody. It's just this performance he exudes, you are terrified yep. of anyone he's near.
0: Yeah. yeah. And just speaking yeah. to his performance, minor spoilers for season three, Alex, there's a moment where he has a conversation with himself in the mirror, and it's played do like kind of like what they did in uh, Moon Knight, where one person's talking, the other person isn't.
3: Cutting back and forth. Yeah. Little, yeah. Mm-hmm
0: and the, i've seen a behind the scenes thing where they actually showed him doing the two takes so like there's the one take where he's being the more aggressive homelander in the mirror and then there's the other take where he's being the like quote unquote real world homelander who is having like a moment of weakness he's like really doubting himself and having these problems and it he looked, again to what matt said he's such a strong actor i can i can really understand why people want him in more things and uh, he seems to be a genuinely nice guy, like most everyone seems to, on the cast, seems to enjoy being around him. So um, while he's playing a horrible, horrible person, like maybe he's a new Brian Cranston kind of guy where, uh, like Breaking Bad, he's he's do, giving a performance of a lifetime that's just going to pay dividends for future roles.
3: Jack Quaid also
0: one of the stars of Star Trek Lower Decks. Boimler, yeah. Watch Star Trek. Um, <laughs> so can we let's try and knock the rest of this out in about ten minutes. I don't mean to shortchange you guys, but uh, I got to yep, go pick go up ahead. my kids. Go, Matt. Go. Oh, I was going to say Alex, but Matt, if you want to go, that's good.
3: Well, I mean, you were just talking about Brian Cranston, and one of the things I wrote down is like something I'm currently just really obsessed with is I think also by the time this is out, it will be over. Like like your like your show, but um, I. The last season of Better Call Saul is going on right now, and it is so fucking good. Like I cannot even express to you how fucking good it is. (laughs) Um, If you don't know what it is, it's you know it's a spinoff slash prequel to Breaking Bad, starring Bob Odenkirk as his slimy lawyer character, sort of uh, Saul Goodman, and it's sort of how he came to be. To put it in like the basis terms possible but it's just comes out on mondays i watch it tuesday mornings and like for the next three days i'm just like buzzing thinking about it (laughs) and as of as of this recording like there's one episode left the finale airs on monday the last episode ever and i'm just like
0: what am i going to do with my life (laughs)
3: yeah well it's a show where like you know there have been various times in the season where things are like really starting to come together. And I'm like, okay, I, I have an idea. I think of where it's going to go. Like, I think, Oh, I see. This is going to be the trajectory for the rest of the season. And then it's almost always been like, actually, no, we're going to do a different thing and it's going to be better. And you're going to be surprised by it. And it was like,
2: uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I actually never got into breaking bad or El Camino or
3: any of that. So
0: I've heard El Camino is mostly skippable. I, we could, we could get
3: into the, we can get into it at some point. I know we don't have time now, but like I think, I think the entire breadth of the Breaking Badiverse is Chef's Kiss. I'm doing it on camera, but you can't see it. Chef's, <laughs> I think it's good. And, and and Better Call Saul is like a show where, when Breaking Bad ended, they were like, "We're gonna do a show about the lawyer guy," and I was like, "What? Who cares? I don't care about that." And now I'm like, "Like, let's go! It's that good." See, I, I'm a little
2: mad still at Vince Gillian uh, because due to him doing Breaking Bad and um, Better Call Saul, he did not return for the two seasons of X-Files we got like five years ago, and they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the saving grace of that show. Like He would come in and just script doctor a few episodes to go like, yeah, <laughs> no, he was busy.
3: <laughs> he was doing his magnum opus, man. You can't stop him from doing that. X-Files is his magnum opus. <laughs> I'll never forget him. It's it's tough to say. I don't know if I can recommend it because it's like there was a point where I was like, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, you could watch this and more or less be fine. I think in these last few episodes, as they're like really bringing the thing home, I'm like, OK, that is not the case anymore. Like I cannot imagine somebody watching these last few episodes and not having at least a, a working knowledge of like the events of breaking bad. Cause it's just like things that like real, not, not that they don't, don't have any bearing on the show, but like that are really steeped in what happened on breaking bad are happening, unfolding right now. And it's like, okay. So if you've been watching the show and it's like, Oh, I'm going to watch the Bob Odenkirk show now, six years later, you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs>
0: All right, Alex, close us out. My what, you
2: what you're doing is going to be a recommendation of what people should be doing. You should not be watching The Gray Man. You should watch Man vs. B instead. I had more satisfaction watching Man vs. B, which is Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, or Blackadder. It's about each episode's about ten to seventeen minutes long. There's about eight of them. It's about him house watching, uh, house sitting for a couple that leaves. And a bee gets into the house and chaos ensues. It is satisfying to see a physical actor in their element making something charming and sweet and mostly silent. Bringing back nostalgic warm feelings. And it was so lovely. Compared to The Gray Man, which all I could think of is $200 million was spent on this shit. (laughs) <laughs> the You know, uh, Josh, when we had talked about um, Doctor Strange being the first movie that of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where I was like, yes, I see this director's influence, the movement, the camera style. And I, I, I was telling you that I finally felt like I was watching an Artur at their work. I realized I was watching a Russo Brothers movie because anytime they change locations, they apparently hired the same person to do the screen, the title screen. <laughs> Bangkok washington d c blah blah blah. giant gray text of like I know the silhouette I've seen a movie and at one point, I thought they were doing parody because it was like washington d c boom, big title screen above like the Pentagon and then smaller the because they cut to an interior, smaller office of the secretary general. I'm like <laughs> is this parody? Do they know
0: that that this how? I was like, what a weird trope to latch onto is like your quote unquote style. I I was like, I know what Paris looks like. I know what the Eiffel Tower
2: looks like. I know what Hong Kong looks like. I know what New York looks like. I know what Washington DC looks like. I have seen these establishing shots thousands of times. You don't need a 70,000 point font to let me know where we are. And there was one point where in the middle of the movie, they suddenly do a flashback and I immediately went, okay, that person dies. (laughs) <laughs> and sure enough, that person dies in the stupidest way possible. About an hour. It's just, I, the saving grace of that movie was Anna De Armas, who can do no wrong. I love her unabashedly now. She is so amazing. But this movie was terrible. There is an action, they, there's, a, there's an action scene where a person is in a public square chained to something and the and he kills like 70 bad guys who apparently can only come at him from the angle he is chained at not the side not the back not what he's hiding what he's chained to behind and it's supposed to be exciting and i'm like this is stupid this movie is stupid and chris evans i'm sorry i don't buy you as a bad guy you're literally playing the same character and feel that you're do- that you did knives out
0: well, I mean, don't discredit his performance in Knives Out, though. That was a good performance. Yes,
2: but he took that performance and then went, I'm filming a different movie. Sweet. Same same character. I'll add a mustache.
3: <laughs> I just want to commend you for starting with you pivoted so uh, seamlessly <laughs> from your recommendation into like the exact opposite before <laughs> I barely even missed a beat and before I even knew what was happening. Thank you. Watch
2: man. Alex, versus what, B. what
0: you doing? I'm not recommending the gray man. That's what he did right there.
2: Watch man versus B. It's adorable. It's about 85 minutes of breezy joy.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's start wrapping it up there. I don't have any reviews prepared. So um, please like comment, subscribe uh, the podcast, re- leave reviews. Um, we'll read them on air if they're nice. If they're not nice, maybe we'll read them too. Cause maybe they'll be funny. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkingSmackPod at, nope, that's, damn it, as we say, at gmail.com. That's not right. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TalkingSmack. You can email us at your thoughts, opinions, reviews, whatever, at tsmackpod at gmail.com. By this time, we should be all set up. Um, our Apple podcast has refreshed to the point where we have two versions of the show up. One works, one doesn't. So, I apologize for any confusion that's happened in the last week. Um, we're almost done with our RSS update. And yeah, we. We're, we're, I lost track of what I was doing because I was thinking about the RSS feed. Shit. You can follow me at josh underscore scar. And again, you can email us. Uh, let us know any reviews, suggestions you might have. And uh, what, what are you doing? Let us know what you're doing. We can read them off in the next what you're doing. Alex, Matt, thank you both so much for being here. And uh thank you to leo allen for our theme music alex who's doing our theme music this week uh well lauren Valf, uh who did man vs. b as
2: well as driver and many other amazing compositions he got leo's music and went wow i can really not improve upon this but i'll try and that's what we got <laughs> lauren Valf's remix
0: all right let's roll that theme music everyone take care I'm waiting for it. I
2: know you're going to say it. God damn it, Matt. I'm waiting. Say it.
3: <laughs> Watch Star Trek.